0: In the name of the God of creation who loves us all, Amen. Good morning, everyone. Welcome on this 20th Sunday after Pentecost. I hope this finds you all safe, healthy, and well. Sadie the uh, Wonder Dog and I have been on a journey in our neighborhood this morning. And in the text for today, from Exodus we see Moses and the people of Israel also on a journey and Moses in particular in an extended conversation with God resulting in Moses request that God show God's face a request that is denied the faces of others are of course deeply important to us we need look no further than music, psychology, and even theology, ultimately, such as the texts from Exodus and Matthew for today, to find reminders of just how important faces can be. I wish I could see all of yours this morning. Remember, for example, James Taylor's lovely song, Whenever I See Your Smiling Face, I Have to Smile Myself, he says, because I love you. Or the Beatles, I've Just Seen a Face I Can't Forget. Or Roberta Flack's song, The First Time Ever I Saw Your Face and of course i've grown accustomed to her face from the musical my fair lady alternatively we may express our disappointment when faces we thought trustworthy prove to be hiding something as in smiling faces sometimes pretend to be your friend from the undisputed truth Can you dig it? Faces are often how we connect with others, and this is essential to what it means to become a whole person. In recent weeks, of course, we've been on this journey with Moses and the people of Israel, and I've often found myself empathizing with Moses, with the journey, and what a journey it's been. Moses was born in a time when his people, the Israelites, were an enslaved minority and increasing in population. And as we know, Pharaoh worried that they might ally themselves with Egypt's enemies. Moses' Hebrew mother secretly hid him when Pharaoh ordered all newborn Hebrew boys to be killed. And through Pharaoh's daughter, Moses was rescued from the Nile, adopted, and grew up with the Egyptian royal family. This is a journey with which we're all familiar, of course. And after 40 years of wandering in the desert, Moses died within sight of the Promised Land on Mount Nebo. Truth told, friends, the clinician part of me empathizes with Moses' desire to see God's face. Attachment theory is one branch of psychoanalytic theory, and it reminds us that we're born needing safe and consistent relationships, especially from our primary caregivers. Like most mammals, we form attachments with our earliest relationships. And this often happens when they respond to us in face-to-face interactions. We know this experientially, of course. Very early on, when we smile at infants, they smile back and vice versa. The faces of those dear to us who helped shape and nurture us are so deeply important. Insecure attachments, on the other hand, can lead to challenges later in life and regardless of the nature of our earliest relationships, we may all find ourselves in situations from time to time when we need to be reminded that we are not alone. Moses' early attachments were, to say the least, insecure and unpredictable. The psychoanalyst Anna Maria Rizzuto has written an iconic book entitled The Birth of the Living God and it's a profoundly important text reminding us that those earliest attachments actually participate in our own religious development, including our ways of thinking about and imagining God. When I was in Divinity School, I took a course with Sally McFaig called The Images of God. I remember writing that paper one weekend at Gethsemane Abbey in Kentucky. It was cold and rainy in winter. And I found myself astonished as my writing began to reveal that my most meaningful image of God bore more than a passing resemblance to my maternal grandmother, who was a constant and loving presence in my life. especially so as i began to find my own way during a difficult time in the life of my family as dr rizzuto suggests when we imagine the mystery that is god we often take with us on that journey the faces of those who have reliably loved us cared for us just as we hope our relationship with god will be loving steadfast and reliable alternately we may imagine God as stern and unforgiving or even distant if these attributes we experienced in our earliest caregivers you know Moses was no different from us and if our attachments have been insecure or disrupted we're more likely to test the boundaries of those relationships when they arise <clears throat> Well, many of us recall the lovely children's book Where the Wild Things Are by Maurice Sendak. Our boys loved that book. And I still do. Max, in the book, is acting out as toddlers often do. He's testing limits and exploring his newfound sense of self. Predictably, he's given a time out for misbehavior and sent to his room where, in his imagination, He takes a trip across time to the land where the wild things are. Of course, one way of understanding Max's journey is that it's an exodus journey too. He's exploring his boundaries in relation to parent figures. And interestingly, these are often portrayed in his own drawings as wild things with parental faces whom he tries to tame. And of course the real wild things needing taming are inside Max himself, just as we have our own wild things, our own shadow sides. And he must go on the journey to that place where he names them and knows them by name and can tame those too. He must do this in part because they've threatened to cause separation, from those whom he loves most and who loves him. Moses and the people of Israel are in similar fashion testing their limits with God in relation to their newfound independence. They're engaging in the good and difficult work of what we therapists call healthy self-differentiation or defining oneself in relation to parents, family, self and ultimately the whole wide world. It's a long and complicated journey, isn't it? And it is absolutely necessary in order for us to grow up. Moses' interactions with God in today's text are just that. Moses is testing boundaries, exploring the relationship to God and along the way to Egypt, even looking back to Pharaoh, and whatever may lie across the Jordan on the road ahead. The Wilderness Journey has been their own version of the journey to the land where the wild things are. And remember in the book, Max has a tantrum and in a flight of fancy visits his wild side, but he's pulled back by a belief in parental love to a supper still hot. Balancing the seesaw of fear and comfort. Moses is on a very similar journey with God, as are in fact we all. Both narratives are centered on growth, survival, change, resilience, adaptation, learning to identify and to manage our fears and sorrows, our anger and our joy. This is how people and nations manage to come to grips with the realities of their lives and become grown-ups in relation to themselves and others and God. Remember, God says to Moses that my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. But Moses continues to press, if your presence presence doesn't go with us, then don't take us any further. Moses just isn't sure. There's doubt despite all that he's seen and experienced. How will he know? I don't know about you, but that sounds familiar to my experience, too. Doubt is always present, and maybe that's a good thing. Maybe Moses' questions are permission to push forward in our conversations with God, which take a lifetime, and maybe even longer than that. Being adrift among the bulrushes in the Nile, my friends, can take an infinite variety of forms. It may be the loss of someone dear to us. It may be life in the ambiguity of a pandemic, a latter-day plague. It may be the loss of connections with those whom we love. It may be As simple as a life cycle transition, an illness, or an impending retirement. The ambiguity of not knowing when and what form the new normal may take. In the text for today, from Exodus, God doesn't show Moses God's face, but God does stay in relationship. God is mystery, after all, and we are invited to fill in the spaces of this mystery with compassion and imagination and love. And like all liminal spaces, this requires us to come alive in our own responsiveness. There isn't much mystery, dear ones, in the face of Caesar on the coin. We render unto Caesar what we owe Caesar, and that is a transactional relationship on the other hand Moses learns that God is mystery and that as Richard Rohr reminds us mystery is not something you can't know it is endless knowability living inside such endless knowability is finally a comfort a foundation of support of the ultimate kind security, unrestricted love, and eternal care, just as God promises Moses. For all of us, it takes much of our life to get there. It's what we surely mean by growing in faith. Each soul must learn on its own, hopefully abided with and aided by other faith-filled people. That's one reason we're gathered here today. No, unlike the image of Caesar on the coin, our relationship with God is not transactional. God asks of us that we look into the eyes of those whom we love, and who love and care for us too, and see God's love reflected in those faces. As one of our beloved hymns reminds us God is love, and where God's love is, God's own self is there. That love is not transactional love, but an incarnational and embodied love. As Richard Rohr reminds us and asks of us, how do we live the contradictions, really live them not just endure them or relieve ourselves from tension by resolving them too quickly. The times where we meet or reckon with our contradictions are often turning points, opportunities to enter into the deeper mystery of God, or alternatively, to evade that mystery. I'm deliberately using the word mystery to point to depth, an open future, immense freedom, a kind of beauty and truth that can't be fully spoken or defined, or maybe even seen face to face. These are questions, my sisters and brothers, we share with Moses and the people of Israel. They're questions at the heart of what it means to be human. At the end of where the wild things are, Max wants to go back home and, of course, he's never really left his room. But he is a different Max, having been on the journey, and home isn't the same place either. Nevertheless, he wants to be where someone loves him best of all, where the faces of those who love him are present and dependable, that place where love is embodied, incarnate, reliable sustainable and in a lovely rapprochement he returns home where he is fed moses and the people of israel wanted this too to finally return home to a place they'd never been and so do we all god reminds moses and the people that god will remain steadfast no matter what May these relationships of love sustain us, too, until we see God face to face. Blessings and Amen.